Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sure. 
short this morning because right now it says I've got one hour and 19 minutes available to me on the Mixler uh, radio program that I use. I get 12 hours a day that we pay for and it doesn't reset those 12 hours until the afternoon. So in one hour and 18 minutes and some seconds it's going to turn off whether I want it to or not. So I have to talk quickly so we're not going to be able to wait for anybody else that can join us when they get here. Amen. Let's go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Thank you, Father, for this day, this holy day, this high Sabbath, this day of rest and worship, this seventh day of unleavened bread. Thank you, Father, for teaching us more and for more clarity about the proper way of keeping your holy days. Thank you, Father, for all the edification, for all the increase of information, knowledge, and benefit that we get from observing this memorial and this foreshadowing as well. Praise your holy name, Father. We pray for understanding as we go through this sermon Please help us to not be confused. Please help those that have difficulty understanding my, my pronunciations and my language, the English language, especially the southern dialect. Please help them to understand, Father. Please give them the gift of interpretation of tongues. We pray for all of our brothers and sisters. Ask for your help and pray that you be glorified in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise Jesus. Let's turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 5. Happy seventh day of unleavened bread. Amen. Praise God. Praise Jesus. God is good. Amen. 
Now, for the new listeners, we are reading from the translation, actually a restoration of the original Bibles. This is called the Alpha and Omega Bible, but you're welcome to try to follow along in any translation you may have in front of you, whether it's Spanish, German, Russian, Chinese, or Portuguese. You're welcome to follow along in the translation of your language. Amen. Now, in 1 Samuel 5, we're going to read about a plague. Yes, a plague. And you'll find that it may be somewhat similar to what we are experiencing now. 1 Samuel 5, this is page number 54 in the history book of the Alpha and Omega Bible history volume page 54 1 samuel 5 verse 1 and the philistines took the ark of theos now this is translated from the greek satilogent and theos was the greek word for god a lot of people think it's always referring to pagan gods whenever you hear the word theos but it's not it actually was originally applied forward only to the true god the God of Israel. And then eventually, over time, as men started claiming to be God, it eventually got adapted to men who were claiming to be God. But it originally started with the true God being called Theos and Alpha and so forth and Omega. Now, a lot of people say Theos, and you may think that I just don't know how to pronounce it. I'm ignorant. Most people, even the uh, Strong's Concordance and all these people, they will tell you, it's the us. But the problem with that is your typical so-called Hebrew and so-called Greek professors, what they are teaching and what these books teach, what these websites teach, they're just going by what somebody taught them and somebody taught them, and somebody taught them, and so forth. And the reality is that the the science of agent languages is not as concrete as what most people believe. Actually, there is much debate in the study of agent languages about how to pronounce words, how to even write the words. There is much, much debate about the agent languages. It is not all concrete. So there is room to debate. There is room to debate how to pronounce these words, how to write them, and so forth, and even what a lot of these words mean. God has helped me to understand a lot of these agent language words bring them to life what they originally meant and confirm them to me in divine ways if you break it down it's it, it is the o my research showed me that they used before they knew the name of god they called him without even knowing him yet they would use the symbol of the ox which became the letter a alpha was actually a symbol of the ox one time. 
And they was also using just the letter O for God, and eventually it became the O. The O was how they would write God. And the O is the God. Amen. And so it became Theos. And that's how they would have said it back then. The O. Theos. Theos. So anyway, the Philistines took the Ark of Theos, the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant. That is the box that contained the Ten Commandments. And it was also a seat, the seat of God that would be in the Holy of Holies, behind the curtain in the temple of God. And the Philistines took this. The Gentiles, the heathens, took, they stowed the seat of God. That's something to think about right there. There has always been a war over the seat of God, and there will be again in heaven. And they brought it from Eblazar to Astod. In the Greek, it would be Astus. All right, now they, they took it into their own towns. Then we we'll go down to verse 6. And the hand of Jesus was heavy upon Astod. Now it says Jesus here because it never did originally say YHWH. I don't care what you have learned in books, websites, videos, and so-called Hebrew professors. The reality is that some of those Hebrew professors and those that wrote those books are actually Freemasons. I know this for a fact. I even met one who was a so-called Hebrew professor and taught so-called Hebrew in college, and he was a Freemason. So I know what I'm talking about. These are Freemasons who are telling you that it's YHWH, and it was not. It was not. God's true name is Jesus. Jesus is God. He is the Lord. So it was Jesus. And the proof of that is on the website at I Saw the Light Ministries. I Saw the Light Ministries.com. And there's a search box on the bottom of the page, on every page on the website, where you can simply type in. Yeshua, YHWH, something like that, and it will give you the search results and take you immediately to that article proving to you that it was the name Jesus, not YHWH. Now, the hand of Jesus was heavy upon Ashdod, that town in the Philistine territory, and he brought calamity upon them because they had stowed in the seed of God. And it burst out upon them. The plague did. The hand of God, the hand of God, the calamity burst out upon them into the ships and mice or rats, it could be translated as rats or mice, sprung up in the midst of their country and there was a great and indiscriminate morality, mortality, meaning death, in the city. Death. Indiscriminate, meaning many people. But it would have discriminated, if there had been God's people there, it would have discriminated between God's people and the wicked people. But because it was all wicked people, it was indiscriminate. Verse 7, and the men of Ashdod saw that it was so. And they said, the ark of Theos of Jezreel shall not abide with us, for his hand is heavy upon us and upon Dagod, 
are God. And they sent, or sent, Robert, correct that one. They sent and gathered the lords of the Philistines to them and said, what shall we do to the ark of the fields of Israel? And the Jetites said, let the ark of Theos come upon us. And the ark of the Theos of Israel came to this place called Geth. And it came to pass after it went about to Geth that the hand of Jesus came upon the sea, the hand of judgment, a very great confusion. And he smote, he struck, he, he hit the men in the city, small and great, and smote them in their butts. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. Whip them, Whip them, Lord, yeah, whip them. And the Gettites made themselves images of birds <laughs> or hemorrhoids or tumors. Now, there's three possible things there, three words, slash, 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 because. Yeah. Good evening, Brother Meekness. Good to see you listening live. Now, this particular Greek word is extremely, extremely difficult to translate. And the Alpha and Omega Bible is very, very unique in that if a Greek word is extremely debatable and very difficult to translate, I will give the options of the possible different translations right there in the verse so that you can read it either way, rather than putting possible uh, other possibilities in a margin, which most people never see and most people never look at. So to put in a margin in tiny little letters that you, you need a magnifier to see, it's right here in the translation. Let you know it exactly right there as you read it, that it might be read a different way. So that's a very unique way of translating the Bible. It's more accurate that way. I would rather do it that way rather than to make a mistake. So I give you the possibilities there. Now, that will be true if you see the word buttocks in another verse here, if there is one in the same chapter, then then the same would be true. So I'm not for sure what the images were. Were the images of butts or tumors? I don't know. So it could go either way there. Now, you've got to understand. Muslims are crazy. They are. I mean, you just you just got to. I mean, you just got to admit it. Okay. So, and these were agent Muslims. Okay, they were agent Muslims. The, the Islam did not did not begin with Muhammad. History actually shows that the only thing Muhammad did was to take religion that already existed that had over two hundred gods and convince the people that there was only one God and give them so-called scriptures. But he didn't really change the religion other than that. The religion of Islam already existed, and history actually shows that, but they don't want to teach you that. They don't want you to know that. They do not want you to know that. But that's the facts, and it's very well documented that the religion of Islam was already in existence in Muhammad only changed it minorly. But they were crazy people. So it wasn't, it's not really surprising when you look at uh, 
a lot of people in the Middle East today, and 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 there and even in the Hindus and the Buddhists, how crazy their religion is. So I mean, I mean, we have many many crazy religions today. People worshiping cows and and all kinds of crap. So you know, it's not that unbelievable. It's not. Verse ten, and they sent away the Ark of Theos because they realized that the judgment hand of God, they didn't know which God, in a way, and in a way they did, but in a way they didn't fully understand which God. They really didn't. There's a mixed message here about what they were saying. But they knew they were under a judgment, a judgment hand of some God for sure, especially the God of Israel. But they still didn't understand who the God of Israel was, really, in a way. And they sent away the Ark of Theos to Ashdod. And it came to pass when the Ark of Theos went into Ashdod that the men of Ashdod cried out, saying, Why have you brought back the Ark of Theos of Israel to us, to kill us and our people? So they recognized it was the presence of God's Ark of the Covenant because they had stowed in it that the plague was there. Now, this plague was related to the mice or the rats. Okay, the plague is related to it. Even though it was the judgment hand of God, God sent those rats. And I believe it's more likely better translated as rats. And there is a difference. There is a difference. So the uh, when we get, come out with an update to edit and improve this translation, we're going to put rats instead of mice in each one of these cases as we read. And we got to understand that the rats were in connection with the plague. God does not always just snap his finger or speak forth a word and it happens out of thin air. Not always like that. It doesn't just always happen out of thin air, but rather God uses animals, people, Spirits, angels, books, music, video. God uses many different things to accomplish his purpose. It doesn't just come out of thin air most of the time. So he sent the rats as his messengers, his vessels, his instruments to bring this plague upon them. Now, the thing about the tumors, uh, whether they made images of the tumors or of their butts, whatever they made images of, there was definitely still tumors upon their body. And that's why they made images of either their butts or the tumor. They made images because remember that in another place in the Bible, that there was the serpents that had bit the people, that God sent them, the serpents, to bite the people. And God said to Moses to cut two serpents up on, make a graven image of two serpents up on top of the pole for people to look at and they would be healed. Right? That was because people understood and people had this mentality of that if you're being struck by a god, 
then you are to honor that God, to try to please that God, make an offering to that God. Maybe God would want an image of himself, whatever. So with the serpents, the serpent was put on the pole to represent not that God is a serpent, no, but rather that what was sent against them would be a please, sacrifice. It's hard to explain, especially when it's this time early, very, very, very early in the morning. But that the that we don't have to die the second death. We do not have to be crucified. We do not have to receive our punishment if it is crucified on the cross. Now, for these people in this situation, in this chapter that we're dealing with right here, they thought that if they put an image of the tumors or the part of their body that was afflicted, one or the other, that they would please the God that struck them. Okay? So it's an agent mentality. Now, we'll continue here to, talk, to read about the rats. We'll continue to talk about what happened. But I want to pause and explain a little bit more about this disease. There's a great debate about what this disease was. But I believe that most likely it was probably a bubonic plague. And I was reading and studying about this last night, the bubonic plague. And if you have the bubonic plague, you get what's called, and I probably will pronounce this wrong, probably pronounce wrong, but bobo, uh, bobos, bobos. And a bobo is an inflammation of the lymph nodes, especially in the groin or even in the neck, the lymph nodes, or under the armpit, or in your groin, in your thigh, up near your testicles, even down underneath your testicles, more closer to your butt. There are lymph nodes in this, these area, and they become inflamed to this bacteria infection that is carried by rats, okay? So it's possible that this is what it was. And that is connected with the bubonic plague, which is a form uh, of a bacteria that can inflict uh, three different types of disease. Uh, three types of plague caused by the same bacteria uh, that has flu-like symptoms, fever, headaches, and vomiting, swollen and painful lymph nodes. Uh, close to the area where the bacteria entered the skin. These lipnoids can swell up intensely, very intensely, and may even break open. Now, when I'm talking about swollen lipnoids, I don't mean where you have to get the doctor to feel in your neck to see if they're there only by feeling, but rather these lipnoids get so swollen up, you can actually see them all the way across the room. That's how swollen they become. Very, very intensely swollen. And they can even break open. So it's a very serious bacteria infection. And baponic, baponic plague is only one of three 
types of infections that's related to this. And it, it can start with the bubonic plague and then eventually turn into a pneumonia form. Now, this COVID-19 coronavirus that we're dealing with right now is related, or I don't know that the coronavirus is related to this ballpark. I'm not, I'm not saying it's the exact same thing. I'm not saying that this is the exact same disease that we had thousands of years ago. I'm not saying that. But there are similarities. This, the coronavirus, COVID-19, that we're dealing with right now is a pneumonia virus. It is a pneumonia. And one of the bubonic plague uh, similarities was a pneumonia. And it made the pneumonia form of the bubonic plague could result in breathing in airborne droplets from another person or a cat infected with the mnemonic pneumonia plague. That's very interesting. So you could catch it from rats, but you could also catch it from cats. And that's what we're seeing right here, right now with the coronavirus. Now, when I first came to these Bible verses last night, I at first, my first reaction when God gave me these, these Bible verses in Samuel, I thought, those are not the verses. That's not what I need to preach tomorrow. And I kept digging up more scriptures. But then I saw this news article that God used to stir me right back to 1 Samuel, even though I was like, I'm not going to preach that. That's not what God wanted me to preach. But then he showed me, yes, it is. Go back to what I showed you. Don't try to pull up some other verse. Go back to what I showed you. This is what I want you to preach. So I saw the news article in Russia today, last night, and the headline is, quote, as media warns of worrying cannibal rats in U.S. cities, the human food production quietly crashes from COVID-19 closures. The article said that there has been pictures and videos in multiple U.S. cities of rats fighting one another, biting one another, killing one another, eating one another, cannibal rats eating one another because they're hungry, starving, because a lot of the restaurants have closed and people are not going out and about throwing their food on the uh, ground as much and there's not as much food available for the rats. The restaurants are not throwing out as much food in the dumpster, so forth, so forth. So the rats are becoming intensely um, uh, fighting one another, or different families of rats fighting the other families of rats uh, in, in a battle for food. Very interesting. So we see here 
rats in these Bible verses, confirming what God really wanted me to preach. Let's, let's see. What happened here in Samuel is eventually they got rid of the ark and gave it back to Israel. They're like, we ain't going to deal with this no more. We know we are being judged. We know that this plague is upon us, killing us, related to these rats. We have got to get rid of the ark of the covenant, and they gave it back to Israel if you was to read into the next chapter, 1 Samuel 6. But we don't have to read all that right now. You're welcome to read all that later. Time is very short, so I've got to move on to additional scriptures that I believe that I should read as well. Let's go to the book of Prophets, to the book of Amos, chapter 3. Amos, chapter 3. Amos starts in page 176, and Amos chapter 3 is page 177. Amos chapter 3, verse 1. Amos chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Hear you this word, O house of Jezreel, which Jesus has spoken concerning you, and against the whole family whom I brought up out of the land of Egypt, saying thus. Now in 1 Samuel, we saw it was the Philistines, which are the agent Palestinians, that God was judging for touching and stealing the seed of God. But what a lot of people do not understand, that they must come to understand, is that God not only punishes the Gentiles, but he also punishes his own people, Israel. His own people, Israel. And Israel is not just the tribe of the Jews, for the Jews are only the tribe of Judah, maybe seen Levites and Benjamin, but there are other tribes of Israel, Manasseh, Ephraim, and Manasseh is the United States, and Ephraim is the British Empire, the British Commonwealth, including Canada, and India, Australia, New Zealand, and so forth. Now, for proof of that, you can go to isawthelightministries.com slash Manasseh .html, or just type it in in the search box on any page of the website of I Saw the Light Ministries, proof that the United States is Israel, or a tribe of Israel. And go to the Manasseh article, and you will see solid, solid, absolutely undeniable proof that the United States is the tribe of Manasseh, the descendant of Israel, and the British Commonwealth for the tribe of Ephraim. And therefore, when we read about prophecies of Israel, 
We are also reading about prophecies of America, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, India, South Africa, the British Commonwealth. People think the United States is not in the Bible. And yet, if we're truly living in the end time, how would the Bible leave out the greatest nation on earth? How would it leave out Russia? How would it leave out China? How would, it leave, how would it leave out the British Empire? How would it leave out the United States? How would the Bible leave out these huge, powerful nations that will play a part in the end-time events? It doesn't make any sense. It's not logical to believe that the Bible would leave out Russia and China and the United States and the British Empire. It's just not logical to think that way. The Bible has to speak about Russia and China and the United States and the British Commonwealth, and it does. So we have to understand that God judges his own people all of the tribes, all of the tribes of Israel, not just the Jews and not just the Gentiles and not just the Muslims, but God judges everybody on earth, everyone, including his own people. Amen. And so we read this knowing that Israel is not only the Jews. With that understanding, God said this, to Israel, and, and this is much of a foreshadowing and even talks much about the end time, not just back then, but a great foreshadowing of our time as well. He says in verse 2, you especially have I known his own people, have I known out of all the families of the earth, therefore I will take vintage upon you, revenge upon you. I will judge you. I will punish you for all your sins. Verse 3, shall two walk together at all if they do not know one another? Will a lion roar out of his thicket if he has no prey? Will a lion's whip, will a lion's baby utter his voice at all out of his lyre? out of his home if he has taken nothing? Will a bird fall on the earth without a predator? Will a snare be sprung if it has caught nothing? Shall the trumpet sound in the city and the people not be alarmed? There shall be calamity. There shall be calamity. For the Lord Jesus would do nothing unless first revealing the discipline, the chastisement, to his servants, the prophets. If there is a judgment coming in the land, God promises he will always, and he always has, and he always will, before the judgment comes, send a warning. He will send someone to speak forth his word and alert and warn the people and give them opportunity to repent before the judgment comes. Amen. And would the COVID-19 coronavirus be any different? Of course not. It would not be any different. 
If God did it back then, he'll do it today, that he will always send somebody to speak forth a warning. Always. The Bible promises that. Amen? Now, over the last few years, God has repeatedly led me to speak about a movie that originally was a book called The Stand by Stephen King. And it is a book and a movie that speaks about an end-time virus that was spread all across the world, killing tons of people. God led me to speak about that book and that movie called The Stand by Stephen King repeatedly over and over and over over the past few years, but more so in the last few months, especially I believe it was December and January, December 2019 into January 2020, before I knew about the outbreak that was already occurring in China in smaller numbers. I didn't know about it, but God continued to bring that up in my mind and in, in my mouth and in my writings and the newsletter and so forth. And when the newsletter was still, still on the rained out system, as far as notifications go, I sent out repeated notifications through text message and email on the rain out system when I still had that back in December. And December was the last month for that. So that proves the timeline that it was in December of 2019 that I sent just the words, Captain Trips, either Captain Tricks or Captain Tricks or something like that, or Captain Trips. I, I could never always remember exactly what it was in that book, how it was written, how it was spelled. But you get the point. And I sent that, just that word right there, Captain Trips. Why would I do that? Unless that was a code, an alarm, a symbol, a, a wake-up call to tell the people a virus is about to outbreak. I didn't even understand it myself. I did not stand up and say, and I did not write, I did not text, I did not email, saying a virus was about to outbreak upon the earth. I did not say it like that. But I did text just those words. Captain Trips, Trips, whatever it was. And why? Why? Unless God was provoking me, moving me, stirring me up to do that. Amen. And not only that time, but in sermons repeatedly, and I have eyewitnesses in this room right here, right now, and on, on the internet and in person both that can testify that I brought that up more than once and more than just in text message and email. Amen. That was God. So he always sends a signal ahead of time. Now in verse 8 it says, A lion shall roar, and who would not be alarmed? The Lord Jesus has spoken, and who would not prophesy? Proclaim it to the regions among the Assyrians and to the regions of Egypt and say, 
Gather yourselves to the mountain of Samaria, and behold, many wonderful things in the midst of it, and the oppression that is in it. See the oppression that is in it. And she knew not what the things would come against her, say of Jesus, even those that hoard up injustice and misery in their countries. So in other words, God says to the Assyrians, come into Israel. Come into Israel and see the wickedness of my own people. How they have hoarded up injustice. How they have done wicked things. Over and over in the Bible, God did send the Gentiles to wage war and invade and capture his own people as a judgment against his own people. It happened before in history many times, many times. And yet people think that it could never happen again, even though it's already happened in history over and over and over. It would be foolish. It would be quite foolish to think that it could never happen again, and especially when the scriptures did foretell Israel being invaded by the Assyrians and also by the Babylonians, and both of those prophecies were fulfilled. Amen. And it also does prophesy of the Assyrians invading Israel again in our day, in our time. The Syrians and the Russians and the Chinese invading America and also the tribe of the Judah, tribe of Judah in Israel, plus the other tribes, America and Ephraim, the British Commonwealth, in our day and time. That is prophesied in the Bible as well. These plagues is not the end of this. There will be more plagues. There will be major hurricanes, huge earthquakes, and war and invasion. This ain't over. It's only getting started. Amen. Now, it says here in verse 12, uh, verse 11, Therefore thus saith the Lord Jesus, O Tyre, which is Lebanon, your land shall be made desolate round about you, and he shall bring down your strength out of you, and your countries shall be spoiled. Thus saith Jesus, as when a shepherd rescues from the mouth of a lion two legs or a piece of a ear, so shall be drawn forth the children of Jezreel who dwell in Samaria into the presence of a foreign tribe and in Damascus, Syria, to invade Israel, including America. Hear you, priests, and testify to the house of Jacob, saith the Lord Jesus Almighty. For in the day wherein I shall take vintage, revenge on the sins of Jezreel upon him, I will also take revenge on the altars of Bethel. And the horns of the altar shall be broken down, and they shall fall upon the ground. Now, Bethel was a town that the temple, a temple of God, once stood. Not the, the big giant temple of Solomon, but a temple of God was at once at the town of Bethel. And they worshipped it, even as they did the Solomon's temple and the second temple. And that was... Not what God wanted. God never wanted them to worship the building. Amen. 
And yet, many people are worshiping the buildings today. They're worshiping their houses. They are worshiping their own husbands, their own wives, their jobs, their careers, college, sports. People are worshiping sports like everything. And people are worshiping their huge, giant cathedrals, giant churches, mosques, and the Temple Mount, which is not even the remnants of the old temple. They are worshiping stones, buildings. Will the judgment hand of God not come again upon his own people? Will the judgment hand of God not come upon the tribe of Judah again? When they are worshiping stones and the ground, worshiping the ground, will the judgment hand of God not come? Of course it will. Amen. So right here in verse 14, he says he's going to destroy his own altar, his own buildings, and his own people because they are worshiping this altar instead of worshiping him. The Bible says he is a jealous God. He is jealous. Therefore, he will destroy what people are worshiping. Amen. Let's go to down chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1, hear you this, hear you this word, you heifers of the land of Basha, that are in the mountain of Samaria, that, that oppress the poor. <coughs> people say God would never call people names. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he called them heifers. <laughs> he was, you cows. Yeah, okay. God does call people names. He calls people stupid. He calls people foolish. He calls people fools. He calls people vipers. He calls people snakes and dogs and pigs and swine and heifers, which is cows. Yes, God does insult people when they deserve it. Amen? Amen. And he calls them this because it says that they oppress the poor and trample only needy, which say to their masters, give us that we may drink. People are asking for food, and they oppress them. Like right now, where people are, the farmers are literally pouring out many hundreds of gallons of milk, pouring it out on the ground, instead of giving it to the poor. And people are going hungry. In New York City, in New Orleans, in the state of Washington, in Detroit, in Chicago, people are going hungry, and the store shelves are empty, and yet the farmers say there's no demand for our food, and therefore we have to throw it out on the ground. That's crazy. Will the judgment hand of God not come even more strong? Will the judgment hand of God not come even stronger when he sees people throwing food in the ground when people are going hungry and the store shelves are empty and they say, nobody's asking us for any of this. There's not a demand for any of this. We have to throw it away. It's crazy. The judgment hand of God will only come stronger. It ain't going away and you can't pray it away. You can only repent it away. 
You cannot pray away the coronavirus. You cannot pray away the invasion. You cannot pray away the next plague and the next plague. You can only repent it away. And that ain't going to happen. Amen. America is not going to repent. Detroit, Chicago, New York, New Orleans, San Francisco, Washington State, they are not going to repent. You cannot pray it away. Verse 2, Amos 4, verse 2, Jesus swears by his holiness that, behold, the days come upon you when they will take you with weapons and and fiery destroyers shall cast those with you into boiling cooking pots. God prophesied that during the Assyrian invasion, Israel, not just the Jews, but other tribes of Israel as well, would be thrown into cooking pots. And I I very firmly believe that this was also a foreshadowing of the Holocaust. Of where many, many Jews were thrown into the gas chambers by the Hitler regime. Endorsed and funded by Henry Ford and other car makers in America. And that's fact. Look it up. Research it. Absolutely fact. But Henry Ford and a lot of the car makers in America funded Hitler, supported Hitler, wrote articles in magazines and newspapers in support of what Hitler was doing. History that you don't learn in school. Verse 3, and you should be brought forth naked as they were, as the Jews were in the Holocaust, and thrown naked into those concentration camps and gas chambers. You should be brought forth naked in the presence of each other, and you should be cast forth on the Mount Hermon. You went into Bethel and sinned, and you multiplied sin at Gilgal. And you brought forth your meat offerings in the morning and your tithes every third year. Yeah, you, yes, you kept all the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. You oppressed the poor. Yeah, you paid your tithes, but you did not take care of the needy that was right in front of you. And they read the law outside and called for public professions and proclaim aloud that the children of Israel have loved these things. Verse 6, and I will give you dullness of teeth in all your cities, and I will give you want of bread. I will give you starvation in all your places. Yet you returned not to me. I chastised you. I whipped you. I whipped your butt, and you still did not repent and come back to me. No, you didn't. You were stubborn. And this is the way America is today. And the tribe of Judah as well, and the British Empire, and all nations, all nations on earth, every, 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 every tribe, every family, every nation on this earth right now. We have been whipped by earthquakes, hurricanes, storms, fierce, fierce storms, and male plagues. And the people are not repenting. They're not. 
They say, well, let us have a national day of prayer and let us hold hands with the Muslims, with these devil worshipers, and let's all pray together in unity and God will save us. Bullcrap. That only makes God more angry. You can pray all you want to. It ain't going away. It's only going to get worse, especially when you join in hand with the devil and pray with the devil. You deserve a worship plague to come, and it will come. I refuse to join hands in such a ridiculous and foolish day of prayer to pray with the devil. The judgment hand of God is upon the land, and it will only get worse eventually. It may get better for a while, maybe, but it will come back with vengeance. Verse 7, also I withheld from you the rain three months before the harvest, and I will send rain upon one city, and on one another city I will not rain. One part should be rained down, the other part I should not rain. It should be dry. So forth. God would choose. God would choose which cities. God would choose the timing. Amen. Let's get to verse 9. Verse 9, I smote you with parceling, parcel land and with blight, which disease, you multiplied your gardens, your vineyards, and your fig grounds, and the canker worm devoured your, your olive yards. Yet not even this did you return to me. I sent pestilence, disease among you by the way of Egypt, and killed your young men with the sword, together with your horses that were taken captive. And in my wrath against you, I set fire to your camps. Yet not even then, did you return to me? Amen. I overthrew you as Theos overthrew Sodom and Galora, and you became as a, a brand uh, plucked out of the fire. Yet not even thus did you return to me. He sent multiple judgments upon the land, and the people stood not, still did not repent. Amen. Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Jezreel, because I will do thus to you, prepare to call on your theos, O Jezreel. For behold, I am he that strengthens the, I strengthen the thunder and creates the wind and proclaims to men his Christ, forming the morning and the darkness and the mountain on the high places of the earth. The Lord Jesus Almighty is his name. Amen. Chapter 5, verse 1. Hear you this word of Jesus, even a lamentation which I take up against you. The house of Jezreel is fallen, and it shall rise no more, meaning by her own strength. You can put that in parentheses at the end of that verse. That parentheses note will be added to the next update at the end of verse 1, parentheses, by her own strength. Will not rise up on her own strength anymore. Verse 2, the version of Jezreel has fallen upon his land. There is none that shall rise her up. Therefore, thus saith the Lord Jesus, the city out of which there went forth a thousand, in it there should be left a hundred. In other words, the population go from 1,000 to 100, 90%. That 90%, at least so, of the population reduced. And in that, out of which there went forth a hundred, there will be only ten left eventually to the house of Jezreel. This is symbolic numbers, not literal. 
But it's saying that God would take a huge number of people and reduce the population down to only a few. And that's what happened in that movie, The Stand. Most people on the earth died. Most people died. And there will be billions, billions, billions of people to die in the Great Tribulation and in the months leading up to the Tribulation. This is only getting started, my friends. This is only getting started. We ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. It is very good, very good that we did prepare in those six months before parent. Amen? Amen. I said six months before parent that I felt that God was telling me to to write down ever all the supplies that we would need for the great tribulation, all the supplies that we would want, that we would be able to get, and divide it by six months and get that so much per month for six months until perm, so that by perm we would have all of our stuff. But yet the great tribulation did not begin in March and in April. We thought it would. But it is a very good thing. Not bad. <laughs> no, not bad at all. But excellent, excellent. That we did obey the voice of the Lord and get our supplies in time because when it became parent and it when when it became uh, Passover, many, many of the supplies that we already bought are now unavailable. You can't buy them, can't order them. And if you can order them, you're going to have to wait several months to get the supplies, or you might have to even pay much higher price for those supplies. And you're risking, when you do receive it, that it could be infected even if you isolate that package for a few days or a few weeks, it could still be infected. So it's a very good thing, very excellent thing, that we did get our supplies before the virus epidemic got too bad. Amen. Now we may have to use some of these supplies during these next few months. I don't know. But let's try our best to try to hold back a lot of these supplies. But use them if you need it, okay? God will supply our needs. He will supply our needs. We have to have faith. Remember, I said that we must leave room for God to work. There's no way that we could save up enough food and supplies for the entire three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. We simply can't do it and should not do it. Even if we had all the money and huge trucks and 18-wheeler trucks to haul all the stuff that we would need and all the money to get it with, we should still not do it as far as that magnitude. Yes, prepare your supplies, get supplies, but leave room for God. Don't think that you yourself can be self-sufficient. Don't think that you don't need God. 
Don't think that he's not going to bring the miracles. Don't think that he won't bring the manna, the bread, and the quail, and the ravens. Don't think that he won't feed us and nourish us. Bring something to the table. Bring your, your loaves. Bring your fish. Bring your tide. Bring your, your offering to the Lord's table. Bring your supplies. But don't think that you can outdo God. Amen. Don't think that you're going to be self-sufficient and not need the miracles and the provision that God will bring. Amen. Bring something to the table, but then let God do the rest. Amen. That's a very good thing that we've got our supplies in time as we were told to do. Amen. go down to verse 11, chapter 5, verse 11. Chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, because they have smitten the poor with their fist, and they have received of them choice gifts, you have built polished houses, mansions, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted desirable vineyards, but you shall not drink the wine of them. For I know your many transgressions and your sins are great, trampling on the just, taking bribes, and taking, turning aside the judgment of the poor in the gates. Therefore, the prudent shall be silent at that time, for it is a time of trouble. Verse 14, seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord Jesus Almighty shall be with you, as you have said, that you have said, that we have hated evil and loved good. And God will restore you judgment or justice in the gates. Justice, Robert. Change that to justice in the gates. That Jesus, the Theos Almighty, may have mercy on the remnant, the survivors, the small amount of people that will be left. That God will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. When we speak of Joseph, we're not speaking of the Jews. We're not speaking of the Jews. But we're speaking of Manasseh and Ephraim. We're speaking of the sons and the grandsons and the descendants and their descendants and their descendants of the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim. This is a prophecy for America and the British Commonwealth that there will only be a remnant of us that will survive. And he'll have mercy only on the remnant, not on the entire nation, not on everyone. Verse 16, therefore, thus saith the Lord Jesus Almighty, in all the streets shall be lamentation, meaning crying and mourning. And in all the ways shall it be said, woe, woe. The farmer should be called to mourning, moaning, mourning, crying, lamentation, sorrow, and to them that are skilled in complaining. The people are skilled in complaining. Well, they will be given more to complain about. 
and there shall be lamentation crying in all the ways because I will pass through the midst of you, meaning I will bring my hand, my presence of judgment upon the people. Verse 18, woe to you that won't and desire the day of the Lord. This is what is the day of Jesus to you, whereas it is darkness and not light. It's a time of judgment. It's a time of misery, of crying, of punishment, of death, of sickness, of disease, of famine and pestilence. In one way, many of us, including myself, many of us look forward to the great tribulation because we will be at that time finally escape the computers, the internet, and judgment will come to Babylon. And there will be great miracles and salvation and finally repentance in the midst of the destruction. But we must also understand it's going to be a dark time. We must understand that. It's hard to phantom. It's hard to imagine what it's going to be like. This thing is only going to get started, only now getting started. And our own families, friends, co-workers, neighbors, people that we love, people we pray for. Their judgment is coming, and our judgment too, if we deserve it. We have to be sincere in examining ourselves. Now, this should not cause us to become distressed in, in just wanting to cry all the time and not do anything, bury our heads in the sand and all that. But rather, this warning and this fact and these things we're speaking of and the severity of the situation should provoke us to repentance. He said it over and over again that what he really wanted us to do was repent, but the people didn't repent. But that's what he wanted. God is not oppressive. He doesn't want to send the plagues. He doesn't want to whip us. He's the good father. The good father does not want to whip his child. But the good father does whip his child in order to get the child to wake up to realize if I do wrong, I will be punished. He wants us to do better. That's why the father complains. That's why the Father chastises us, whips us. He wants us to be responsible, mature, and holy. Amen. He wants us to do better, and we can all do better, all of us, every one of us. We need to dig deep, examine ourselves, and then repent, not just complain that we're sinful people and not just go around talking about our sins all the time and focusing on our sins, but rather realize, yes, we've done wrong, but now it is time to repent. And just repent. Just do it. Just repent. Amen. And do right. Do right. Stop doing wrong 
and start doing right. That's the solution. And just praying all day and complaining about it and just asking God to take it away from you isn't the solution either. God ain't just going to snap his finger and take your sin away. You are the one that has to stop sinning. Amen. Don't ask God to take your sin away. You take it away. The Bible says when he comes back, he's coming back for a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, because it says that she, the bride, cleansed herself. That's what it says. It doesn't say that he cleansed her in that Bible verse, but she cleansed herself. A mature woman can clean herself. She's not a baby that has to be put in a bathtub and her mommy clean her. She can clean herself. Amen. We got to clean ourselves up with his help, yes. But we are responsible for our own repentance. Nobody can do it for you. God ain't going to do it for you. He ain't going to do it for you. She ain't going to do it for you. You got to do it yourself as a mature person in Christ Jesus. Amen. God is seeking a people of repentance, a people that will serve him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Now, this coronavirus, it is sifting the people. It is separating the people, just like in the movie The Stand. And that is available through our, our links on the MeWe social media groups. We have links on there. And if you can't find it, uh, let us know, and we'll direct you to those links where you can watch uh, the movie The Stand. We have those links available. You don't even have to go to YouTube. You do not have to support YouTube. You do not have to use YouTube you can go through the links that we have available to watch it. And you do not have to support Netflix or any such thing. We have links available for you. And God is using this virus, this plague, this epidemic to separate the people by destroying many of the wicked people. And it's just getting started. Now, part of that separation it's not only God destroying certain people, but also that I am blocking many of these idiots who claim that the virus is nothing but just the flu. That's absolutely stupid. These people are stupid. I, I have to use tough words because that's how stupid they are. I have to say it the way it is. They're stupid when they say that this is nothing but the flu. They are digging mass graves for people in New York City. They're having the prisoners dig mass graves. And people are not even allowed to have a funeral. Not even allowed it. Because there's so many dead people falling dead, so many people every day, that they're like, we have to take these bodies. Or we have to dispose of them right away because bodies are piling up. We ain't got time for no funeral. We ain't got time for people to pray. We ain't got time for it. It's a serious situation. This is not the flu. Have you ever seen the flu do that? Have you ever seen the flu so bad 
that they won't even allow you to have a funeral because they got to get rid of the bodies because they're piling up so fast? That ain't the flu. Come on, idiots. I've been blocking every person that says it's the flu and that this is only a government takeover. It's just over government, over government overreach, and that nothing's really happening, and that the death toll is not that severe, and that we should not need any quarantine. We don't need any social distance. This is only communism taking over America. It's just the elite taking over the world. And anybody that says that, instant block. I ain't got time to fool with idiots. I ain't got time to fool with idiots. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Block them because you're not going to convince them. You are not going to convince them of the truth. Wake up and realize that fact. I spent two days arguing with one of these fools just the other day before I finally blocked him. These people cannot understand and will not because they don't want to understand that this is the judgment hand of God. Oh, it's just the flu. They don't want to admit their sins. They do not want to admit that America has sinned, Israel has sinned, Australia and every nation, every tribe, and every people, we have all sinned. They do not want to confess that, and they, do, they will not confess it. It don't matter how much you talk to them and pray for them and beg them and love them and be patient and kind and gentle and compassionate and long-suffering with them. It ain't going to work. Just block them. They are idiots. They are fools, and they deserve the judgment hand of God. Amen. This may sound unloving, but it's the cold-hearted facts. And facts are facts, whether you like it or not. There are scriptures that proclaim that even if Noah was alive, even if Moses stood up and said, please spare your people, O Lord, that the only people that they could spare is only themselves and not the population. It's in different words, of course. But that's what it means, and that's what it basically says. That even if Moses and Noah, and who else was it in that list? It was the third man, Noah and Moses, and whoever else. It don't matter. But even if these three prophets were to stand up and say, spare your people, God would say no. They could only spare their own lives. There are times and seasons when only your own efforts can save you, not the efforts of somebody else, not the prayers of somebody else, not even the prayers of a prophet. There are times and seasons such as this when God has already made up his mind and when the people need it. When you withhold the rod, when you do not whip the child, the child will only become more wicked. God removing this plague from the land right now would be the worst thing he could do. And you praying that the plague will stop is the worst thing you could do. The people need the, the whipping. The people need the correction. People need this. Amen. I got four minutes left, and it's going to shut off, and there's nothing I can do about it. But 
this virus is sifting the people, separating the people, and through death, destruction, and by blocking them. There will be more plagues, earthquakes, hurricanes, and war to destroy a whole lot more people. People who live in New York City, New Orleans, San Francisco, Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta, and Florida, they deserve the judgment hand of God. If you live in an earthquake zone, you deserve the judgment hand of God. If you live in hurricane zone like Florida, you deserve the hand of God judgment. If you live in Oklahoma in the middle of a tornado alley, you deserve the judgment hand of God. It's stupid to live in such a dangerous place. The holy days also separate the people. There is no coincidence that the outbreak of this plague was increased greatly in the time of Purim. All the holy days, both the fake holy days and the true holy days, they brand the people. They separate the people like cows. Everybody has a branding in your forehead and in your hand already. It's not a microchip. The mark of the beast has been here for thousands of years and will continue to be upon this earth already. It's not a microchip. It's not a currency. It's not a credit card. Get those traditional Babylonian false teachings out of your head. The holy days separate you. If you keep Christmas, you're of the devil. If you keep Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, then you might, might might be God's people. Find that sermon and listen to it if you have not listened to it about the holy days that they are branding, the holy day branding. It brands your mind and your, and your hand about who you belong to. And the holy days separate the people and the virus is separating the people. Amen. Okay, that's it. I did it. Praise the Lord. God did it through me. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening. Uh, each and every one of you, I'm not going to call names because I might leave somebody out, but thank you to everyone for listening and for being here this morning or this evening and for your patience with me. May God bless you and help us all. Amen. And also, you can eat leavening. You can eat leavening after sunset. It's already after sunset in Asia. Australia and Korea. Remember that uh, the days of unleavened bread, observance of the fasting from leavening was from Passover sunset until the seventh day of unleavened bread at sunset. The days always begin at sunrise. Every day, every day, and every holy day begins and ends at sunrise, the rising of the sun. But the Bible says specifically, but the days of unleavened bread, specifically these days, that the actual eating of the bread and unleavening and not doing the leavening begins at Passover at sunset and ends today at sunset. So already in Korea, already in Australia, if you had some available, then you could, re- you could eat it. So I look forward to getting my stuff out of storage tomorrow and having some sandwiches and fluffed bread. Looking forward to that. Amen. Praise God. And Kiki said, Woohoo! For Australia, we can eat leavened bread. Not that I care, she said. <laughs> Not that I care. Okay. Praise the Lord. And God bless all of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, congregation said, Amen. Amen. Woo! Praise Jesus.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.